If you have a Bible with you, find the book of Luke, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Uh, it is finally here, Christmas Eve. Uh, we are moments away from Christmas morning, the day we've been waiting for. Um, but what a beautiful thing when, uh, when the body of Christ gathers together uh, to remember, to sing, and to pray, and to do all of those types of things. I, I know this season has been hectic. Anyone else with me? Anyone felt the cold around here? Yeah, anyone else's snot freeze a little bit every once in a while? I don't like that. Uh, I'm ready for summer to be here. Um, you probably had to shovel a few different times, and then it drifts over, and you have to shovel again. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I'm tired of that. But uh, right here, right now, we are together, and we are celebrating, and we are uh, just for a few minutes going to look at the scripture, uh, this incredible story of God who sent his son to be born as a baby. And so let's just begin by reading uh, Luke chapter two, and I'm gonna start in verse number one. And so uh, I'm gonna ask you to stand with me all over this place while I read that. What's a good church service without standing up and sitting down a few times, right? Uh, and so Luke chapter two, and uh, just follow along with me on the screen if you don't have a Bible, and I'm just gonna read this, the story of Christmas. It says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Let's just pray. God, we invite you into this moment Everything we say, everything we do, let our hearts be uh, in line with you. We give this to you. We worship you. We are grateful uh, for what you have done. And so uh, help us, show us things, teach us things, God, through your very word. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Give somebody a high five and have a seat. Come on. <clears throat> okay. Are you ready? You guys ready? Smile at me. That's very nice. Uh, the other day I was walking around outside uh, and I saw a snowman. And uh, this wasn't like a normal snowman that you're thinking of, though. This snowman was like alive. Seriously. True story here. Some of you are like, oh, hold on, Martha. He's going to tell a joke. Yeah. Okay. And, and I look over and this snowman is going through this box of carrots He'd pick one up and he'd put it back and he'd pick one up and he'd put it back and he was going through and there's piles of them. He's picking them up, putting them back, picking it up. And I finally, I was like, hey, buddy, what are you doing? And he looked at me and said, I'm picking my nose. <laughs> Aren't you glad you came tonight? That's so good. Um, I also found something else out about the alphabet and Christmas this week. And no, this is not how there's no L. Okay, that's a different one. But you like that one too. But I heard that the letter E is actually the only letter in the alphabet that gets a Christmas present. Do you know why? Some of you are like, no, we do not know and we do not care, but that's okay. The letter E 
gets presents the others don't because the other letters are not E. They're not, they're naughty, naughty letters, okay. <laughs> this is not good, I'm sorry, Sarah, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but the, the, story of, the story of Christmas, we, we all know it, every one of us, we've, we've heard this before, this is not a new thing. Uh, an angel comes to marry this young woman and uh, probably even a teenager is what, is what most scholars say. Mary's engaged to be married, and this angel says to her, greetings, do not be afraid. You're going to give birth to a son, and this son is going to be special. In fact, he's going to be the savior of the world. And Mary turns to this angel and says, how can this be? And there's a whole other parts to this story, but she, she then says these amazing words, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Other things happen, uh, things with Mary's cousin Elizabeth and an angel and her fiance Joseph, supernatural things begin to happen. Uh, but then Mary and Joseph are forced to travel uh, from where they were living, which is in northern Israel, about 60 miles straight south to Bethlehem. Uh, they, they were forced to travel and uh, they had to go there. That's where Joseph's family was from and the Roman Empire had said, it's t- you've got to go pay your taxes. And so they made that trip. She does not make this trip. Uh, uh, in a car, is, is just throwing that out there. We don't know if she rode on a donkey or not. We don't know what happened. We know it was not a fun 60 miles being pregnant, ladies. Anyone you know, know what I'm talking about, okay? This is a difficult thing. They finally get to Bethlehem, but they struggle to find a place to stay. And there's lots of travelers, lots of people staying in the city that night. We don't know exactly what this looked like, but they end up staying in a place where animals live, where animals sleep. Most often in that culture, that actually would have been like kind of underneath the home uh, or underneath uh, something uh, like you, they would have had the first floor almost as this barn type of area. Uh, So we traditionally kind of think they went out backyard to the barn, but it was more than likely the bottom floor of a home of some sort. But anywhere, we're talking uh, dirt floors, uh, manger things what they would have fed the animals out of. And this is the place where Mary gives birth to the baby Jesus. Then we have the story of the shepherds, right? You know it. I know it. We've all heard this. The shepherds are out in the field. Uh, An angel shows up to them and says, hey, don't be afraid. Something amazing has happened. You got to go see it. The Savior has been born. And then in that moment, the the sky fills with angels. They're singing. They're saying glory to God in the highest peace on earth. This is what we have. They go find Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus, and they worship him, and they go tell everybody. Then we have the story of the wise men. You know that one too, don't you? Okay, and they see the star, and they travel some hundreds of miles, scholars say, uh, to see what has happened, and they arrive at eventually at the place where Mary and Joseph were. This was not the same place as the shepherds, by the way, just to ruin your nativity scene, okay? But this happened much later in, in, in the story, but they're there, and they come to worship him, and this is the story. They brought three gifts, which is why we typically say three wise men, but the story doesn't really tell us. There could have been 10 wise men, for all we know, uh, but as I heard someone earlier this week say, it's probably more like there was three, because it might be impossible to find 10 wise men. Yeah, okay, that was clearly a woman's joke. I'm not in support, okay? We're moving on. Don't clap for that, all right? 
but they find this place, and there's more to the story, but it's this wonderful, incredible, interesting, sometimes strange at part story, and we hear the story, and we say, wow, and we say, that's beautiful, what a beautiful story, but the story's filled with drama uh, all over the place, all sorts of details, all sorts of things. The story of a pregnant girl who was not yet married in a super hyper-conservative religious culture uh, you know, traveling 60 miles, giving birth in a barn, no doctor, no medical help, no climate control, no sanitation. Like, this is an interesting story filled with all sorts of drama. And, and here's where I want to take this today. I want us to just ask the question, why? And the question, why is the story of Christmas significant? And why does this matter? And what does this tell us about God and who he is? Is. And so here we go, four things, and we're going to move quickly because we've got to get to the singing and the candle and all of that stuff. But really quickly here, uh, number one, the Christmas story is an open invitation for everyone to be a part of what God is doing in the world. We talked about this a bit this last Sunday, if you were a part of our church, but one of the most interesting parts of this Christmas story is actually the story, or it's the characters that God chooses to be the main people in this story. We have poor people and we have rich people. We have young people and old people. We have men and we have women. We have Jewish people and we have pagan wise men, we have local people and we have foreigners, the characters that God chooses to be in this story are significant to this narrative, to what is happening and what God is doing. It's significant to the picture that God is painting for us in the story of Christmas. And we read words like everyone and all, and the, the angels show up to the shepherds and they say, for all people and, and, and all of that. And so we have this beautiful, beautiful picture of an open invitation for all. I don't know where you have been, where you come from, what you've done in your past, how much money you have or don't have. None of that matters at this point. What matters is that a God has reached out into, into the lives of us and has made a way. And we are all invited to that. And so that's number one, what we can take from that. Number two, the Christmas story shows that God cares about this broken world and he cares about broken people. Psalm 34 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And we have a picture in the scripture of over and over and over again of a God who just cares for people who are messed up people who have made a mess of things, people who are broken, people who have gone through horrible things and are missing pieces inside of them. That is like, if that is you today and that is all of us in one way or another, then we are in a prime position for a God because this God cares so much for those people. This story is filled with brokenness. Luke chapter two starts by naming the leader of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus. Why is that brought up in this story? Okay, Though it's not quite as bad at this time as it's going to be 70 years later, where persecution is going to be horrendous, this was a hard time to be alive. A hard time to be a Jewish person specifically, under Roman rule, broken land, filled with broken people, and this is the place, and this, these are the people that God chooses in that moment to send his son Okay, but even more than all of that, at the center of the story of the gospel message is that we have a God who steps into a broken world to make a way. 
It's a beautiful story. It's a great thing. It's an incredible thing. And the Christmas story points us to that fact. Aren't you glad that God cares about broken people in a broken world? Come on, that's so good, and that's such a, such a big deal, and I love that, okay? Uh, number three, number three, the Christmas story reminds us that God works in ways we cannot see and we do not understand. Isaiah chapter 55, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are, are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts higher than yours. God works in ways we don't understand, and God works in timing that we can can't quite grasp. In fact, the, the scripture has a 400-year gap leading up to the, to the Savior, to Jesus being born. The scripture is silent for 400 years as the people waited. The prophecies said it was coming, miracles and supernatural things happened, and then they ceased, and for 400 years, it's like, God, where are you? And as people, we simply just do not understand the timing. We don't understand the thoughts and the ways of our God, and the Christmas story teaches us that. It's filled with things that don't make sense, by the way. Uh, think of this, like about this with me. If you're telling the story of a baby, like God becoming a baby, and the Messiah being born, you would not choose a stable for that to happen in, right? We hear these details and we think, wow, isn't it wonderful? Mary's probably thinking, like, could I get some air conditioning here, please? You know, like, what do you mean we don't have, we, we've got no food. I, I need my ice chips to chew on. Not only my wife, is that somebody else too? All right, I'm in trouble, okay? But like, like think about it, Mary, like this is a mess. We would not choose shepherds. We would not choose an unmarried virgin to be the mother. This story would be about a warrior like that has come, a savior who could step in and drive away the enemy. It would be a palace with servants. And th this story that we read is so strange in so many ways. It doesn't make sense. Why God would choose these things to play out in the way that they do in the lesson, there is so much to God that we simply do not understand. A God who knows what we need. We think we know what we need. It's like your kids. When they're little, they do not understand why cake and Mountain Dew is not a good lunch. And, and now you get old like me and you're like, it is a good lunch, right, Larry? It's a good lunch. Okay, no, but they, they, they don't understand. And as parents, we do, and it's the same. God understands so much more than we could ever understand. The story is a reminder of that. And finally, number four, the Christmas story reminds us that we are a part of something much bigger, something much bigger than just you and I here in central Minnesota. There's so much more going on, so much God is doing more than we could ever understand. This is bigger than you and it's bigger than me, though we are a part of this. And it's a reminder that as Christians, we are bigger, we are about something bigger than just this right here, than our little families. We are a part of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is moving and reaching and healing and showing who God is and what he is about. We're a part of something bigger than we could ever understand. God stepped down into this world. He didn't have to. It did not make sense. It was this incredible, generous gift that he gave. As he created us, and he made us from the very beginning and he, and he gave us the, the will and, and the ability to choose how are we going to live and what are we going to do. And the Bible says that every single one of us, every person who has ever lived has chosen poorly. 
The choices we have made have turned us away from where we should be. The scripture says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it says there is no one righteous, not even one. And, and that in the middle of that right there, God chooses to step into and to make a way and to come down to us. See, we spend our times and, and a lot of religion stuff is all about trying to work our way up to God. That's not how this works. We serve a God who has reached down to us. It's a beautiful thing, and it doesn't make sense. And he was born a baby in a humble place during a difficult time. No doctors, medicine, sanitation, messy, stinky, dirty place. And the God of all creation was born there. Was born there, born to live as a human being, just like us, and born to die for the sins of the world. Christmas reminds us that we are a part of something much bigger. Music team, will you please come? And please stand with me all over this place. Before we are finished with our service today, and in a moment we're going to each light these candles and we're going to sing this song, Silent Night, together. And I think it's going to be just a beautiful moment as we do that. But before we do, I just want to leave a minute or two for just a time of reflection and, and prayer. For some of us in this place, like you, you, you may not be a churchy person. You may not go to church, you may not think a whole lot about all of this God stuff, and maybe this is all just a different thing for you today, but let me just explain. This is not about just going to church for us. The reason that we gather together isn't just to do religious stuff, but it's because of this God who has reached out and made a way, and I could go around this place, and, I, and we could talk to person after person after person who this God has absolutely transformed their life. We have people who used to be addicted to all sorts of things, and God has miraculously like set them free and helped them on this journey. We have people who have made a mess of marriages in the past and done all sorts of things that they regret and they have come and they have found hope, not just in our church. This is, that's not what this is about. It's about a God who loves people enough to send his son to die for us. And with no one looking around, just a moment of privacy and reflection here for just a minute. If you're here today and you would just simply say, I have never, I have never responded to this message of Jesus before and I want to do that today. I'm not asking you if you go to church or if you've been baptized or confirmed. Like, have you ever inside, deep in your heart, said, God, I receive this beautiful gift that you have given me. And if you've never done that and you want to do that today with no one looking around, just show me your hand. I just want us to pray together. It's a beautiful day and a beautiful time to do that. If you are watching behind a screen right now, you can respond to this as well. Anyone in this room that would just say, today is my day, thank you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else? Anyone else for just a moment? We're gonna pray together, every one of us. I'm just gonna kind of lead us in a prayer and, and I'm gonna have you just kind of Pray this with me, but understand, these aren't magic words. It doesn't work like that. This is a heart thing. It's a heart thing between you and God, but let's just pray this with me. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, we put our hands together. Let's just celebrate this moment, what God is doing.